Hi, team. Welcome to the Conscious Curriculum Podcast, the deepest and dopest podcast for folks who believe that education can change the world. I'm your host, Miriam Rachel Freed. My intention is to share, build, and propel a vision and strategy of collective healing and repair through meaningful education and embodied practice. Like all of us, I am a human shaped by my unique life experience, and I'm limited to my own perspectives through the lens of my worldview. I'm always striving to learn and grow, so if you ever feel that I've missed something or caused harm, please don't hesitate to let me know. If you like today's episode, please help our community grow and review, comment, or share. If you're looking to get involved in the conversation, you can find my contact information and a link to the free Conscious Curriculum community inside the show description. Thank you for being here and for your commitment to justice and liberation for all. Now let's dive into today's episode. This is partially like my own my own public research, I would frame. Um, and my own invitation to like expanding and building community around these questions. So like, what are the most important things for humans to learn? And what are the most effective ways for us to teach those most important things in schools and beyond? And so like, I'm now in two hats. So I have like the coaching hat as part of my business and I have the educator and consultant hat. And it's like, well, two edges, like one in the coaching space, like adult coaching space and therapeutic spaces, like there are so many tools that would have been of service to teach mm. way younger and like yeah, yeah. save some damage and back end work. And I'm like, why, why isn't that happening? I want to help people teach better. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. And then, yeah. and, but I think, you know, what's, what people, so many people are afraid of though, is that, you know, when you ask these questions while you're teaching, there's a sense that, it, it would like, it will undo everything, right? If people start yeah. asking these yeah. questions, then what are we going to do if they start answering them, right? So it sort of feels like what we've done with the profession is we've decided that just like, once people are hired, don't ha- let them question anything at all. But if you're trying to cultivate and grow and and develop, mm. then then it's, it's um, you know, following orders doesn't get you very far. It doesn't get you very good. It doesn't get you very quality. My my feeling was always like the reason that that all of this is important to do while you're teaching, right? Is that you are? It's a parallel process that's happening to the to the kids. So, yeah. like, what this what the adults are doing with one another is what the adults are doing to and with the the kids. So you've got to have an open environment where learning is key right and the hard learning one of the schools that i'm consulting in is a charter and they're still in new york city yeah yeah there are so many consultants in that building like (laughs) it's insane and so i'm sorry to laugh because i feel because i'm one of them you're one of them yeah well i mean i'm not it's my first site where there are there there's a math consultant, there's an ELA consultant, there's a framework consultant, and then there's me. Mm. And so I'm like, wow, that's like that. And for your new teachers, they're working with four different adults in addition to their like manager and build. It's like a lot of people. And so there isn't that space that you're talking about for meaningful, meaningful questioning or self-reflection. The, the data in that school, like they get really great results. They're like, you're going to do it no matter what. 
I lead with vulnerability. That's like my jam. And so I'm pretty effective at opening space for people. And it's like insta cry. That it's like flood. Cry it. Yeah. Like like, they're just yet. Yeah. And so So, to me, that's not an effective school either, even though you're getting the results. You have the culture is work. Right. Right. Yeah. They're working all the time. I would say that's a traumatic experience that's going to create people who have I, I know that I was once corrected by a psychologist, like the, the, the term trauma bonding is not supposed to mean what pop culture really takes it to mean, which is like yeah. two people have been through a bad experience together and they like trauma bond. Yeah. But I remember like, but that's like what will happen in that school. Like people yeah. will, they'll talk about it. Like they'll say words like in the trenches, right? Yeah. Like they'll, they'll talk about it. Like it's warfare. Like you're, 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 you know, and I just, I'm not one of those people that thinks that like, you can't say kill two birds with one stone because it's violent. Like I, 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 but I do think we are what we say we are, you know, if you're you're calling it war, then it will feel like war. People will talk about it. Like it was war after they come out of it. There will be, everybody will have to be in therapy. Um, and that's exactly what, what happens, you know, in most of these environments, you know, but I do think there's, there's wisdom to share in my experience of, you know, building up an identity that was so closely tied to work. Yeah. Like I identified with my profession very much. Yeah. I never wanted to have a job. I always wanted to have a calling a career like a job that meant something to me right yeah and then you know when it was all taken away from me very quickly one fell swoop because of my illness I've I broke this and when and I don't know how much you know about that but I got really sick like in 2016 yeah and um I just couldn't work it was like you're sort of you're done working like we all knew this day would come and it's like yeah we all know this day would come in that like we all know that we're mortal but you don't yeah. really live your life every second thinking, yeah, I might die right now, you know, because yeah. that would be maddening, right? So, like, yeah. I never really identified with my illness at all. And then it was like everything that I that I grew that I drew, um, like it was like for for a couple of from like 2013 to 2016, it was like I had my friends, my work, and like my boyfriend and friends, like social life, my work and yoga, and that was it. Yeah. And then all of that was taken away except for my friend. You know, that identity and the way that we like how yeah. successful I was, I think, you know, you could debate, but I think, you know, I did. You were a star to me. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but I think, and I, I appreciate that because I value your opinion very much. And I think the school and the organization benefited from me identifying with that job right and nobody ever sat me down like people would say to me you work too much but it was like that's what's coming out of your mouth but the feedback I get was so stellar all the time yeah that it was like I hear you saying I work too much but then you're also saying I'm the best like manager you've ever had yeah so either I work too much or I'm the best manager you've ever had right because and and I know that I'm not, this is not about blaming people who are complimenting me. And that's not what I mean. But the school 
the model can only be successful if there are a couple of adults who are highly talented and identified with the work, like enough of a core, a core number of adults who can do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it benefited from the fact that I was like the only leader without kids. Like that was really because yeah. that I could be there at 630 in the morning when somebody needed to be there at 630 in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I had a boyfriend who wanted to support me doing me, right? So like whatever I need, wanted to do, you know, but then yeah. what what happened, the shutdown that happened for me afterwards, which included um, a painkiller addiction and all of these things just to fill my time. I remember being like, I know I'm addicted to this stuff, but I don't know how to spend my day without it. Yeah, I had no cultivation of self. You know, like how good I felt about myself was how good I did at my job. Yeah. <laughs> Look what you so fucked up. Like so fucked up that my yeah. sense of worth would be tied to that, you know? Well, I think um, about the way that we're trained in school and so much of our worth yes. is to the grades that we receive and like we're conditioned real young for that yeah. system and that grind and what yeah. hard work looks like and how hard work feels. Oh, you know, what humans, you know, what we're capable of is just astonishing, both in terms of what we're able to accomplish and what we're, we're willing to do to another person is yeah. just, you know, so now the coaching that I do of leaders is really different because of the way that I, that I, talk to them about what success means in the work and and what their lives are like and and um yeah the only thing you can count on in life is change right like that's the only thing that you can never be sure of is that things will always change and everything is temporary it took me going through this extremely traumatic experience and then having to you know finding my purpose and my sense of self and all of that stuff again. Yeah. But, but I really think that we have to think differently about how, how we allow young people to, even if it's a calling, even if you're saying, you know, this isn't just a job to me, it's a calling. There's still a way to have a healthy sense of ego and distance from it. Part of my push here is like, can we reimagine how we're measuring, like, what are our bars for performance and sure. And who created the ones now? And like, we kind of know the answer to that question. And so if we're moving away from a white man, yeah. westernized yeah. definition of even what standards live like and what sure. effective teaching lives like, like how could, if we're really creating a, a reimagined image here of like what schools could be you can never force somebody who's not ready to do the work to do the work. But I, I mean, if we started to address trauma the same way we address literacy, yeah, like just imagine what that would do. You know, if we started to have the same level of conversation. So it was just like a class you went to was just sort of like life will be full of trauma. And we start talking about trauma at age five. Um, you know, when you enter school, we start talking about it. So like, you're going to have a couple of consequences that are going to drain some systems, right? Like kids will start re reporting more. Girls will start reporting more of, of what's been happening to them this entire time, you know? Um, 
And so like, you just would have to create systems. I'm just thinking, I guess, out loud about like, you'd have to create systems that could hold all of that. But like, you know, it shouldn't be that we live in a world where reading is prioritized over the well-being of someone's brain and heart. And that's just insane. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I get like exhausted by talking about trauma, like to be. Yeah. So, yeah. And I wonder yeah. about, I wonder about the framing of like, that it's a course on liberation. Sure. Yeah. Cause that's what it really is. Right. Like yeah. you're, you're, re- it's really not a course on, on trauma because that's what life is. Life is a course on trauma. I think, I think the other thing is I have a good friend who teaches third grade and we're always talking about how like kids are always more ready for conversation than we give them credit for. Like, you could do it. You could call it, you know, in kindergarten from one thirty to two, you could have liberation class and they'd be ready for that. You know, a hundred percent. It's so crazy that there's a professional, the, the amount of years that it takes to be a really great teacher um, is longer than I would argue like med school. Um, I also think that like, you know, it's the drain of there's there's very little sustainability in the way that we do education in most places. You can create systems that help. So one one thing that I think would be amazing is, you know, how hospitals are often connected to med schools and it's called a teaching hospital. Yeah. But we don't have that for education, but we yeah. should have that for education. Yeah. Every university, you should be able to go to one campus and see people from, you know, like intergenerational exchange and K yeah. through 12 education should be happening right underneath, like literally. So you could just be at the same campus. That should be powerful. It should be to be like the best teacher, you know, should be like being the the most the best plastic surgeon in Beverly Hills you should get yeah. that kind of accolade yeah. um Amen. the other thing is I heard of a model in Finland where the the so everybody switch switches roles like every let's say three years or whatever so I might be principal for three years and then somebody else is principal and then somebody else and everybody wow. sort of gets paid the same amount wow. given the role you're doing that year right so your salary jumps around a lot but, but what happens is this level of adult empathy and growth that's happening alongside, you know, while you're learning the role, but you're learning from people who have had the role rather than always being the only person in the building who's had that much experience. And that yeah. is just, you know, it's, it's powerful. Um, yeah. So a couple of those things I think would be really would help. And yeah. then, you know, all of the normal stuff that we say we need to do, but we don't actually vote for and we don't actually do, you know, yeah. I mean, every every politician knows that education is like the best prevention for, say, jail. Like yeah. there's a direct there's a direct line from literacy in fourth grade and whether or not you're going to end up in jail. Right. I mean, I, I don't I you know, I don't I think that what's so frustrating about the, the work in education is that we know what works and what doesn't. And what I mean by that is like, we have enough understanding of psychology, of human development, of language development. Like we know enough about how the brain works. We know enough about this stuff 
we could actually create schools that were doing a much better job. We know enough from potentially like a cognitive place as like a people's. I don't know that even educators know enough from a cognitive place in their educational training mm-hmm. because so much of education yeah. is so transactional. Um, but I, and I think that yeah. that's yeah. it. They yeah. don't, they don't know it from an embodied practiced place for your nervous system to understand this information, to then live yeah. and walk it different and meaningfully and to push each other to keep going in that direction. I'm not yeah. that. That's exactly it. Right. Like, and that's like, if we could hold each other in a space in all schools and just be like, and it will be okay. Like it's going to be really hard, but you're capable of amazing things and you can do all this while you're teaching young people, you can be vulnerable with them. Like, I think that that, like what I had going for me with kids was that I was just always authentic and I didn't know to be, it was just sort of what came naturally to me. And luckily that is, how you form relationships with teenagers. That's like the key. Right. And I, and probably really young kids too. I just don't know that as well. When you're in the profession, the grand irony is that you never get to have these conversations. That's really true. Like very rarely are you just sitting with somebody where you get to just dream up, like what would the best school really be like? Well, we're changing that. We're changing that. Yeah. 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 I mean, but that's what it takes. It does. It takes people who are like, I'm 34 and I'm, and I'm still doing this. Thank yeah. you so much. You're welcome. It was really fun. All right. Thank you so much for being here. That's a wrap for this week. Make sure you hit the follow button to stay up to date on episodes. And before you go, take a moment to share this episode with your favorite game changer colleague or friend. If you're interested to join community or connect, my information is linked inside the show description. And if you haven't yet left a five-star review, please do. This helps our show and message spread to people who need to hear it. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you next episode.